Episodes on self-hypnosis and dreams are insightful and fascinating. I've done so many of them and this one too holds the promise of something new. In today's episode, we will answer three questions. What is imagery? What are some different kinds of imagery? Why would different types of imagery be useful for sleep and how does this kind of imagery relate to self-diagnosis? Dr. Diane Haspel-Johnson, my dear friend, has received much acclaim for her previous episodes and this one is no different. Her expertise has led her to become a VIP contributor to Ariana Huffington's wellness site Thrive Global. Dr. Diane maintains licenses from both the California and Colorado Boards of Psychology, is a consultant for the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis, and she holds a certificate as a somatic experiencing practitioner. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine Practitioner, author and new Gini, and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Diane, welcome back to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. And all your episodes are immensely enticing to me. And having the conversations with you makes me realize so many things, even as we're going through the conversation itself. And today we're talking about how to use imagery to sleep better. And I'm, I would love to get your perspective. Of course, in my mind, it's a lot about visualization, which I do a lot for uh, even on the podcast itself, we've got these visualizations, but how is your perspective different? And just like all our episodes, I love our listeners to know right away that we're going to be answering a few key questions and just to entice them to listen to the full episode. And on this episode, the key questions we'll be answering are what is imagery and what are some different kinds of imageries? Uh, what would different types of imageries be useful for sleep and how does this relate to other aspects like self-hypnosis? And finally, if you could walk us through an example of an effective sleep imagery. Uh, so let's first just talk about what is imagery, how is it the same as visualization, is it different, and what are some different kinds of imageries? Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, I think that um, imagery, people do tend to think of as visualization. And, you know, for a shorthand, I often will We'll talk about visualizing things, but, you know, there are, first of all, there are some people who are not visual people. They don't, they can't visualize images in their 
mind's eye. And, and I, I want to um, create space for those people in particularly in this podcast, but just in general of saying, when I say um, imagery, I don't just mean visual images. I think that there, it's important to understand that there are different ways that we all process information. Some of that is visual. Some of that is auditory, meaning what we hear, which is also what we think, because we tend to think in terms of an auditor on an auditory track. Um, and then also what we feel, what our senses, our emotions, those are the dominant ways. Of course, there's also taste and there's also smell and there are different ways of knowing, right? Our intuition and our, you know, there are different, there are different dimensionalities to it, but for the sake of um, simplicity, I'm going to stick to talking about imagery from the perspective of um, visual, auditory, so sound, and, um, and sensory. So sensations, feelings, touch, emotions. And um, I think it's first and foremost really important to understand that the most effective way of, you know, quote unquote, visualizing something is to use all of those different modalities. So for example, when I teach people hypnosis and self-hypnosis, and even when I've taught, you know, probably thousands of um, psychologists and physicians and, you know, um, marriage counselors and different types of um, healing practitioners, when I've taught them hypnosis and how to work with patients with hypnosis, one of the things that I'm always talking to them about is using all of the different modalities of processing because we don't know in any given person where the deepest point is of healing for them. And we don't even necessarily know that for ourselves. So I would encourage people to start to think about imagery and visualization from that perspective of why would you do one thing when you could do three different things? Of course, of course. And I think sensor, sensory inputs are so powerful. And there's this whole science in the East of Ayurveda talking about how our senses can either be therapeutic or they can be imbalancing. And it's up to us what kind of inputs that we use in the form of sensory inputs. And um, of course, um, I, I'm, I can't wait to get started with how do we use that, but let's go into uh, how is it, how does it interplay with sleep? How would these different types of imagery be useful for sleep itself? Well, um, I think that first of all, um, there, are, there are several different ways that I wanna address that question. Um, for one thing, understanding that um, because we process different things using the different systems, we can move from one system to another. So for example, when people have insomnia and they have ruminations and they have worry and they have these spinning thoughts, right? It might be the to-do list. It might be, you know, having felt wronged by someone or having something that's unresolved or even processing the day and thinking about it, for example, and he uh, hearing those that sort of like, you know, the, the voices on our head of narrating the day or narrating the story, right? Those are more auditory. That thinking process is more auditory. 
So we can try to tell ourselves to stop thinking that, well, how effective is that? It's not very effective. So another strategy is to move into a different processing system. So if you're noticing that the thoughts are, are, are spinning and, and there's a lot of those thoughts going around and around, you could, for example, um, start to imagine something that's visual. If you're a person who can do that, you might imagine yourself doing something that you love to do and, or in a beautiful place. Or, or you can even open your eyes in the dark and keep the eyes open. That's something that I actually often suggest to people that they do. And I know it seems counterintuitive. You're tired, you wanna have your eyes closed. The problem with having your eyes closed when you're tired and you're ruminating is your eyes are then resting and that, that narrative in your head is going and going. So sometimes if we open our eyes and we're looking in the darkness, our brain is registering, it's dark, it's time to go to sleep and the eyes start to get tired. So now we're engaging the visual, not just the auditory, not just the thinking, we're engaging the visual. And we're also starting to feel our eyes wanting to close. So now we're in the sensory. We've moved away from that auditory to the visual and the sensory. And eventually those eyes are gonna get so tired and the, and the visuals are going to get so boring looking into the darkness that it's going to start to shift us so that there's a cohesiveness between the auditory, the visual, and the sensory, and, and that can help with sleep. So that's one thought. Does that, that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And I think that has so many benefits, which you listed out already, that we're allowing our eyes to see darkness. And we're not really doing that in today's world. We're kind of moving away from lights to closing our eyes and we're not giving that darkness input. But more than that, what my mind instantly went to as another advantage of doing that practice is that sometimes when we close our eyes and we are visualizing or we are having imagery and we're thinking things through in our head, with our eyes closed, we might actually be activating the nervous system before we fall asleep. We're falling into this loop of thought, one thought linking into the next thought. And I love your idea that when you're having your eyes open, it's not all there in the brain. And it's a, there's so much a benefit to doing that. Um, and this is why I love having you, Diane. There's so many practical tools to use and there's uh, um, beautiful ways in which we can connect to why should we do something. I, I love the, um, those two points that you're making. I think the point about also just that we are, we, we're, we're so used to bright light and, you know, people, of course, on their screens and the blue light from that and those things, you know, taking the time to just look into the darkness, it, it helps to trigger the melatonin. It, it, it reminds the body it's time to go to sleep and, um, and, you know, making some of these choices, I think, I love you. I love the points that you're that you're adding on here because I think that it explains it and it gives some other reasons for the listeners as to why some of these tips are effective. You know, one of the other things that I um, the, the ways that I like to sort of use these different modalities of processing um, and processing sort of you know again quote unquote imagery, which isn't just images, it's, it's um, different ways of knowing, different ways of sensing, is 
um, I think we can get very caught up in our heads and in our minds. And it, there's the anticipatory anxiety of being afraid that you're not going to be able to fall asleep or worrying about the future or ruminating about the past, these kinds of things. And um, a lot of times, like with anxiety, those experiences are high up in the body. You know, the prana is very high. And, and so one solution to that is to begin to bring that energy down, you know, to begin to bring that, um, that energy down actually physically in the body towards the feet. This I recommend for people when they have anxiety and also when they have insomnia or sleep disturbances is start to focus on the feet, start to focus on the sensations, you know, in, in hypnosis, there are the di there are different levels of trance and a feeling of heaviness when we begin to feel a heaviness in our limbs or in our bodies that begins to relax us and it begins to take us into a soothing trance state a feeling of lightness by the way like almost like a floating feeling that is also an even deeper trance state and sometimes you can combine those two things so the listeners might enjoy for example, when they first get into bed, just focusing on their feet, focusing on the sensations in their feet, focusing on some heaviness and how the bed is holding their feet and their legs and their bodies and, and cradling them. And just notice the sensation of that, the weight or even the lightness of the, the body, the weight of the body being held. And then also maybe the lightness of the movement of the chest and abdomen as they're breathing and then moving down to the feet focusing on each one of the toes and noticing the different sensations in each different toe. It's actually hard to do that. And it's, a, and, and if you keep doing that going toe by toe by toe, after a while, it's, it's, it's harder than it seems. It also, after a while starts to get a little boring. And what we want when it's time to go to sleep is for things to be boring. We don't want our minds to be going love that perspective yes and I think monotony can be wonderful because it just makes you yawn and fall asleep you don't really think about it like that usually um, and uh, so let's just come to maybe you could talk about how does uh, imagery relate to self-hypnosis or if you could maybe walk us through an example of it yeah, um, I think, you know, some of these things that we've just been talking about, I hope will help the listeners to understand a little bit about the different qualities of hypnosis, the heaviness and the lightness, for example, and how you can begin to play with those things, those qualities, so that you can, you can um, work with self-hypnosis, um, some on your own. And of course, you know, it's something that I teach and have downloads about so people can, if they're interested in learning more um, they can go on my website, they can see videos, they can um, purchase downloads, they can do all kinds of things like that. But in the meantime, they can also practice some of these things. And so one way that I would just like to um, encourage the listeners to, to, to do this is to use um, the auditory, the visual, and the sensory. So when you start to, to engage in your own self-talk, you can use language that uses all of these different things. It doesn't have imagery, by the way, visualization doesn't have to just be what you see in your mind's eye. Some people are great with imagining themselves at a beautiful beach and some people are not, but it, it, to me, it doesn't really matter um, because you can still say to yourself at this time, I'm just going to notice 
That's notice is a visual word. The brain registers it as a visual word. I'm just gonna notice the way my body is making contact with the mattress. And I'm just gonna allow myself to feel and focus on the feeling of the heaviness and the embodiment of being held in this safe space. Okay, so that's being held, the embodiment, noticing the sensations, things like that. That of course is sensory. And I'm just going to notice and listen to the sound of my own voice guiding me in this relaxing way, allowing my thoughts to follow my words. Okay, so that's then auditory. Now, I just want to say some people, um, particularly when they have chronic pain or sometimes when they have trauma, certain modalities might be more challenging for them and might be triggering for them. And if, and if that's one of the listeners here, then I would say, don't push yourself to move into a place that's uncomfortable for you. Remember, you have different modalities to choose from. You can choose one of the other modalities. You can add in the sense of smell, the sense of taste. You know, um, um, I love, I, for instance, love the smell and the taste of fresh peaches. I always love going to the farmer's market and, ha and having um, fresh summer peaches. And I love that smell. It always makes me happy. So for me, maybe I'm going to just notice that smell. I'm going to notice the color. I'm going to notice the taste. I'm going to imagine myself in that environment. And so you don't have to push yourself to feel your body on the mattress if that's not comfortable for you. You can instead um, imagine a color. You can imagine a cocoon of light and protection. And what that might sound like, what that might feel like, what that might look like, if it has a smell, if it has a texture. So you can play with these different things to create a bubble of safety around yourself where you can rest and, um, and see, see what works for you. Very sensitive, Diane, about how, you know, it can be triggering for some people to, I was just going to say that, you know, when you talk about visualizing the legs and if someone's feeling mm -hmm. discomfort in those areas, usually what I do in those situations is to say that be a witness and think that you're someone outside of it. Uh, and not mm -hmm. identifying with the pain, but just just noticing them as if you were an observer to it all. Uh, but your perspective is very sensitive. And I just want to say we need more people in the world who are sensitive to the little, little uh, ways in which people might need different things. And I do want to talk a little bit because you mentioned earlier about the earthiness and the heaviness of the feet and why they can be so useful and in Ayurveda you know it's the vata which is um, the air element above the waist which is responsible for the nervous system and high vata mm. is what is responsible for insomnia and one of the ways that 
we counter vata's lightness is to do anything which is grounding and earthing which is eating foods that are more heavy eating foods that are more grounding um, visualizing something to do with the earth uh, holding a yoga pose where we're just being still and feeling the ground under the soles of our feet. So I was just wondering in that context of grounding, because I think it's very important here. Um, does anything come up in your mind when we talk about grounding and imagery? Yeah, I, I so appreciate that you're talking about the Ayurvedic perspective on that. Um, you know, it's... Um, it, there is a, um, a self-hypnosis that I, I sometimes work with people with that I really love and imagining actually that, um, that, that you are a tree and that, the, um, that as, you, as you inhale, that the, the light energy comes in through you as though the sunlight or the moonlight coming in through the leaves of the tree and the branches of the tree go and move and move and feeling it, watching it, sensing it, you know, hearing it move down, down, down through the bottoms of your feet, like roots going underground and reaching towards the center of the earth. And then as you inhale, it's as though you're breathing in that core earth energy, which is nourishing you, where anything that you're breathing as you're breathing in, anything that you're that's moving down through those roots into the earth is becoming like compost in the earth. And then when it comes back up, it's it's transformed and it's nourishing and it's filling you. And so in that way, I think that's something that I sometimes guide people in. I tend to not like to focus so much on breath per se, and rather more on the movement of energy or the even movement of air or inhale. That tends to be more the language that I use because I find that some people are very connected to the idea of using breath, but some people, if they have anxiety, can sometimes be feel like focusing on the breath too much can actually be agitating. So I want to welcome people to, to do what works for them. I think that's such an important point, Diane, because uh, I know that when I've been in situations where high stress has triggered me into a spiral of uh, increased heart rate and increased uh, breathing rate, and then when you, you know sit down and you try and focus on your breath, it can be more agitating because it just makes you aware that you're in this stress state. And trying to regulate the breath is so counterintuitive to that when your breath is going so quickly. Uh, and I think in those situations, something like just feeling the earth under your body and feeling grounded can be so useful. Now, I do want to, I don't want to let you go until I ask you one more thing, which is you did talk about lightness and visualization. Um, and you said sometimes I also guide people into visualizing themselves as feeling light or floating. Um, how... I have two parts to this question. One is if someone is probably not feeling as grounded, how does, is this all right for them to be visualizing such imagery? And uh, typically what's the kind of imagery that you would guide someone through when we think about lightness? 
Well, uh, that's a great question. I really appreciate you asking it. Um, you know, the the heaviness um, in in a trance state comes first, and lightness is is um, is a deeper trance state. But I always build if I'm going to build in floating or lightness, I always build it as a layer on top of the heaviness so that people can feel both. Because I think that, you know, it's, that's a tricky thing. There are people who have trauma and who, um, you know, who were so uncomfortable in their bodies or have had experiences where they, they weren't comfortable in their bodies, where they have dissociated. And so we don't want to encourage people to to necessarily do that. Some people are, are, are naturally in that state. That's the state that they live in because they've experienced some of these kinds of traumas where it wasn't comfortable to be in their bodies. And so for those people, I would say, maybe don't use the heaviness and the lightness. I would suggest that they work with someone who's, um, who's a very skilled practitioner if they wanna work with some of that and work with the trauma. But if someone is comfortable using those things, I think it's important to feel the heaviness and be grounded in that. And then to build the simultaneous lightness so that it is always grounded. I did have one person who I worked with who had very, very significant sleep issues as a result of having had um, numerous traumas. And, um, and for her, she was not comfortable being in her body at all. She was, she was afraid of everything and she was afraid of sleep. And, and for her, as we worked individually together, um, the only place that she felt even remotely safe was actually on a cloud which tells you a lot about how she had had to dissociate in order to survive. So we found a way for her to be in the safety of that cloud, but to be grounded in it and to feel that it was contained. And that's why I say sometimes people can, can imagine or sense um, a bubble of safety around them. And they might be grounded in that floating bubble, but they're still grounded. So there is the heaviness and they can feel that, but if that is not where they're at in their own process, I would suggest that they um, they wait until the timing is right for them. And maybe they don't have to use that imagery. There pl there's plenty of other ways that they can work with this. And, you know, there are ways to begin to feel just where the body makes contact with the mattress or the sheets and to know that that's safe and that that part is being held or to focus on the feet, to focus on the toes as we were talking about before, and even maybe the space in between the toes, you know, that's, that's a lighter space. And so they could notice that if that was something that felt comfortable or the fingers, you know, the, the presence of the fingers, and they could even touch a finger to another finger and then lift it off. And in that way, they're making contact with pressure and heaviness and lightness. And so there are different ways that they could work with these things, as long as it feels comfortable to them. And if it feels like it's triggering, then back off and by all means, go see someone who is, um, is trained and knows how to help work with some of these, these memories or these experiences. One last question then, because my mind again popped into something is that, you know, typically in Ayurveda, there is this um, 
connection between the state of present state of imbalance in somebody and their tendency towards dreams. So usually if someone is having a high state of vata and this nervous system imbalance, the dreams will be almost like they could move from dream to dream like the entire night, like just flitting across like air. And Ayurveda is all about opposite brings balance. Now you spoke a little bit about uh, if someone was comfortable visualizing themselves on a cloud, then let them feel comfortable with that. And Ayurveda would be of the opposite that if they are airy, they need to be grounded. So, um, but I love your input that it all needs to be in balance, these opposite feelings of heaviness and lightness. So maybe if you could just conclude by just sharing a little bit about your perspective of what if someone is airy and uh, having this tendency towards choosing visualization or having dreams which are more uh, not grounded, very airy, uh, where might they begin? Well, um, you know, I just want to clarify, I and mean, I'm glad you brought it up because I, I maybe wasn't clear that I think like, for example, the, the person that I was talking about who was really only comfortable in a cloud, I mean, she couldn't, she didn't feel safe. And that was the place she felt safest. Mm. You know, some people don't feel safe anywhere, ever. And so it's really about where they might feel safest. And, um, and I think for her, what was transformational was we actually did, we, if that was where she was comfortable, then that we allowed her to be comfortable there, but we, we anchored it. So she was grounded in the cloud. So in, in, while it seemed like it was just airy and floating, there was actually the opposite there. It's just that it was utilizing that, um, that airy imagery and allowing her to be grounded in that. So that becomes a win-win situation. Instead of her just floating away and she has no control of it, she becomes grounded in the floating. And that kind of paradox, I think, creates a harmony. You know, so, um, so I would say to people, if they are attracted to this airiness, you know, one of, one of the things that, you know, I think I, I wanna continue to emphasize is, why would you do one thing when you could do three things or four things or five things? Bring the different modalities into it. If someone is just getting focused on visualizing an imagery, they're, they're not utilizing all of those different parts of their brain, all of those different aspects of processing. And, and if one thing is not working, we can move into another processing style. And I encourage people to use all of these things that's why when I've taught other practitioners to do hypnosis with people, I'm always saying to my students, use all of the different modalities, do many things. We don't know where that harmony comes from. We don't know where that solution is. So it bring all of these in and it doesn't have to just be with a particular type of imagery. It can also be with the language. So that's why I was saying, you know, you can use the word notice to bring in the visual system, even if you're not a visual person, you can use the word thought and, and I'm allowing myself to have whatever thoughts are comfortable for me and, and to notice the feelings I have, you know, 
And that's bringing in notice and thoughts and feelings and all of these things. These are different ways of processing information and it brings a wholeness to it, if that makes sense. Thank you for clarifying that, Diane, and pleasure having you again. And uh, I know that listeners can go grab the uh, recording. You can buy the, your self-hypnosis um, recordings on www.drdyan.com. Is that right? Yes, that is right. And there's also... Um, they will actually see there's a little pop-up there or there's some ways that they can download some free materials there. And um, if they do, they have the opportunity to actually get a discount on the, um, the Deep and Easy Sleep Self-Hypnosis set, which has seven audios and videos and an ebook and teaches them self-hypnosis. So, um, you know, I encourage people to also get the free materials too. And there's a lot of different things on the website and different blogs about sleep and imagery and things like that. Thank you, Diane, for your time. And again, an absolute pleasure to be hosting you today. It's such a pleasure to be here. In this episode, Diane introduced the power of imagery to us. Having been immersed in the world of yoga to 25 years, I can well attest for the power of using subtle tools. Yoga Nidra also uses the tool of opposites with the belief that this approach allows the mind to come into a balanced space. Choose one tool such as Diane's imagery of groundedness and lightness. Use it every day even for 5 minutes. I cannot stress how effective consistency is. Have a wonderful day. This podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material on the subject matter covered in the episodes. The podcast is not acting in the capacity of a doctor or a registered dietitian and is not rendering any professional healthcare or medical service. The information in the podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice or services or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition. The advice and tools contained herein may not be suitable for your situation. Any medical questions regarding contraindications and cautions or any questions on whether or not to proceed with any practices provided in the show should be referred to qualified health professionals before adopting the same. The podcast specifically disclaims any responsibility for any liability, loss, risk, personal or otherwise which may be incurred as a direct or indirect consequence of the use of information from this podcast or the application adoption of any of the information provided.